we think investors can take a lot of comfort with the first half reporting season. We saw a number of large caps beat expectation, 41% beat expectations, while the misses were really concentrated in the X50 in the smaller cap uh, in the smaller cap segment with 32% missing expectations. Um, and it's really been about uh, the, the core stalwarts being able to pass on costs, um, having that market leadership able to sort of flex their ability to improve productivity, pass on pricing, and really manage their supply chains a lot better than uh, the small cap end of the market. So overall, a pretty resilient reporting season. Generally, earnings were revised down 1.4%. And across most sectors, we saw plus or minus 1% or 2% um, EPS revisions through February. Meanwhile, price reactions were probably a lot more severe than uh, we've seen in a, in a long time. And a few reasons we talked through in our reporting season review note, and I encourage you to speak to your Morgan's advisor to get a hold of that. Uh, trading volumes were down at eight-year lows. So um, trading volumes, in fact, over the 10-year average are down around 10%. So lower liquidity caused uh, significant sort of price spikes, both at uh, the large end as well as the, the, the small end. Also, the, the changing macro uh, affected some of the returns as well. We saw really strong performance of some of the, the growth names with the reassessment of what long-term interest rates are doing. They performed at the uh, better at the start of this year, but through reporting season, given a lot of misses, we're really concentrated around some of those growth high PE names. They were punished quite uh, significantly. Meanwhile, cyclicals performed and held up a lot better. So portfolio repositioning, um, also a big theme, um, causing significant price disparity in the market through February. So while aggregate EPS revisions uh, for August were okay, um, I think the, the big key was that uh, the key market stalwarts actually holding up a lot better than the rest of the market. Now, in our reporting season review note, we cover an, a number of themes. We look at the first half, second half skew. We look at trends around dividends, short selling, um, as well as uh, what the, the, the outlook for the consumer. So... Um, I will touch on a few of the themes um, right now, and um, also my colleague Tom will go through some of the themes around dividends and earnings trends, but I encourage you to speak to your Morgan's advisor if you want uh, more, any more information. So firstly, the Australian um, slowdown has been more modest than global peers. If you look at this table here, you can see that Australian earnings have generally held up quite well, and in particular, some of the cyclical sectors of the Australian economy, um, either seeing modest downgrades or modest upgrades. So generally across, across the board, we're seeing earnings hold up uh, a lot better than global peers, which speaks to, I think, two things. Firstly, the conservatism that has really been set in uh, analyst forecasts since the pandemic because companies are providing very little guidance, in fact, only 28% of companies are providing guidance um, at this stage for FY23, um, analysts tend to and forecasts tend to err on the side of caution and hence uh, a fair degree of conservatism being backed into the numbers. Secondly, the Australian economy continues to surprise on the upside. 
um, employment conditions remain quite sound, therefore holding up um, earnings as well. So uh, two factors there for, for really why we think we're likely to see a moderation in earnings rather than an outright collapse in earnings expectations. So the winners, as I talked about, have really been the key market stalwarts. Um, the ASX 200, if you look at uh, the key stalwarts in there, a majority of them are in the ASX 50. They held up a lot better than the market, finishing uh, flat in February against the market that fell 2.9%. As I mentioned, 41% beat consensus expectations. And on, on, on average, if you look at the uh, the earnings revisions as well as the margin outlook, um, they have held up a lot better. Um, and we've talked about some of those reasons, uh, being uh, a dominant market player, the ability to pass on costs um, and um, uh, able to manage their business a lot better than perhaps a few more options than what small caps tend to have. So strong trading conditions we saw from super cheap, Goodman Group, QBE, Endeavor, and Sonic, um, and companies able to pass on costs and protect margins, Brambles, Endeavor, ResMed, Woolworths, and, um, and Telstra, to name a few. Now, I've alluded to this, the, the losers were really those high PE growth stocks. As a cohort over February, they were down 3.7%. So we saw a significant amount of misses really concentrated in that growth high PE segment of the market. And you can see there, um, uh, in general, EPS estimates were revised down in FY23 to the tune of about 17%, and in FY24, around 7%. Um, not to mention they weren't helped by the macro with the reassessment of where long-term interest rates uh, are headed and as well as where the RBA cash rate needs to perhaps go in order to um, to, to cool inflation down. So we think um, it's getting harder and harder to justify the premium that's getting paid up for, for high PE growth stocks. In fact, if you look at where uh, the premium is relative to um, the cash rate at 335 it is double where it was 10 years ago. So we think that's getting increasingly hard to justify in a market that's really starved for growth. And you are starting to see growth expectations come off in this segment of the market. So um, as a whole, as a cohort, we are, len uh, are, we, we are leaning more um, cautious on some of the high PE growth names. So overall, while we can say it was a fairly resilient um, reporting season, we do see some um, short-term risk to earnings, uh, particularly around that normalisation theme, which I talked about. And that's set to really drag on returns, perhaps, as we go through into that uh, May uh, confession season. Historically, we, we see trading updates around that period, around how companies uh, are, are trading. And we think with the mortgage cliff really hitting around that period, we're likely to see perhaps a few more downgrades flow through that period. So if you look at a few key themes that we look at and really um, gives us some room to uh, perhaps lean a little bit more uh, cautious is firstly on management commentary. Uh, we looked at 102 um, companies that reported in, in February. Looking at the, the sentiment in February relative to August, so generally as a whole um, sentiment across the ASX um, 200, um, or at least the, the 100 companies that we looked at uh, leaned itself to, to more negative. So definitely a lot more pessimistic than um, it was in, in, in August. Um, and the pessimism was really most acute in utilities, packaging and building materials, um, which suggested that sentiment continued to fall in those sectors. Um, but 
On the other hand, there are pockets of the market which are showing some signs that sentiment may be turning around in healthcare and gaming. Um, in fact, healthcare, media, online and gaming are probably sectors that held up a lot better in terms of overall market sentiment. So whilst we, um, the sentiment in indicators would tell us that we haven't hit the bottom yet, um, there are certain pockets of strength that um, are certainly very encouraging. Secondly, on growth rates and uh, the expectations of where the market's going to grow um, into over the next couple of years. And typically um, through the cycle earnings, um, if you look at the more cyclical parts of our market, so let's say uh, consumer discretionary, industrials and consumer staples, the median range um, of earnings growth is between 2 and 4%. Right now, if you look at the market and what it's pricing in for FY23 and 24, these sectors are pricing in between 2 and 10% um, EPS growth. So we do expect some more moderation in these, um, in these sectors, um, given they're more cyclically aligned and more linked to how the, the economy is performing. And finally, um, if you look at um, earnings and look at the expectations of the first half and second half, we think that include some very valuable information for, for investors because it tells you what the expectations are for company earnings going into the second half. And it's very curious to see that right now consensus is pricing in a much um, a, a stronger second half. So um, earnings are expected to pick up in the second half. So the skew becomes 49, 51%. But if you it's curious if you compare it to um, the pre-COVID period, typically we see a first half skew where earnings are skewed to the first half by the tune to the tune of about 56, 44%. So we think that um, given the, the headwinds the economy is facing and um, some clues uh, with companies reporting late in February showing a slowdown, particularly for those big ticket retail items um, that are mo most cyclic linked to the economy um, and given some of those trends there we do see some downside risks to those companies that are uh, more cyclically aligned and particularly some of those high growth names that we have called out so uh, second half skew is something to look for and we think as we get closer to the may uh, confession season we may see some earnings disappoint there and uh, a continued moderation of, of earnings so we just see some risk in the the near term that may create some headwinds for the equity market but with that i'll turn you over to tom who will talk through some of the trends that he's seeing around earnings as well as dividends thank you yeah, thanks, Tangy. Just a couple of slides from me to, to back up what Tangy's talking about there around, um, you know, the February season was was okay, but it really was a tale of two segments, the larger, more important end of the market, the ASX 50 names, the stalwarts of our client portfolios doing really well, and then the growth segment and the smaller cap names where it's becoming more difficult to forecast um, started to, to show some cracks perhaps linked to uh, slowing in the economy and tighter financial conditions. So just wanted to talk to this chart here, which looks at uh, forecast profit growth for industrials only before and after reporting season. And it excludes the vagaries of commodity linked um, uh, mining producers, utilities, REITs, um, where the earnings are you know, arguably less cyclical. But looking at what moved and what didn't, you know, as Tangy mentioned, we did see pretty much a broad, um, you know, erosion by that 1% to 2% at a median level across most uh, sectors. 
But when you look at an aggregate level, so you weight these stocks by their market cap and those bigger stocks that provide an upside surprise really do carry the weight of the aggregate numbers. So what we saw was, um, you know, broad erosion of numbers that shouldn't concern you, but held up by um, at an aggregate level by the, the mega cap important stocks. So large cap healthcare, some financials, staples, transport, some big, big industrials um, looking pretty robust. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, we see upside here, but um, you should feel, feel comfortable that um, I, I think the story here is about conservative expectations built into the market. And that's a, that's a trend that we've actually seen since the onset of the pandemic. So I think we can all feel comfortable that, you know, with this lack of guidance in the market, um, analysts are naturally conservative and therefore earnings expectations do leave some margin for error as we go into a trickier economic environment. But really um, comforting to see the, the big cap important names of client portfolios holding up quite well. Um, that did translate into dividends. So the rubber does hit the road when the, the companies involved have to pay that money out. So just quickly on dividends, 75% um, of the ASX 50 are still growing their dividends. We did see some companies hold, but we also saw some hold in favour of um, instigating buybacks. So newer extended buyback activity uh, in Cochlear, Qantas, Aristocrat, Chorus, um, in amongst what feels like a record amount of buybacks on foot in the current market. So largely balance sheets are in really strong shape across the market. Um, and finally, just on commodities, um, we did, if you recall, talk in January about how we do see a really strong setup for commodities in 2023. You know, you have got the world's largest commodity consumer moving to reopen their economy to stimulate the property market there. In China, you've got pockets of stabilisation in other parts of um, the developed world. You've got some signs of recovery in Europe even. Um, and on the other side, you've got ongoing constraints on supply leading to critical shortages and historically lean inventories in metals across the board. Now, what we did say though in, in January was that this market is prone to accidents. Um, at the time, you know, commodities commentators thought this, this segment was bulletproof, but it's not. Um, what was rethought in February was the um, terminal rate and the time to uh, peak uh, interest rates as a function of inflation prints coming in higher than expected. And that actually drove a sharp um, you know, upward swing in the US dollar and that probably explained most of the, the commodity price um, sentiment move in, in February. I think there's only one commodity that put a po uh, positive performance in, uh, in Feb in uranium. So you might also recall at the time that we said we don't like buying commodity-linked stocks when everyone says you should be. We liked we like periods of uncertainty and dislocation, which give us better value. So that chart on the right on the screen there is the current price to consensus NPV of the sector. Um, back in late January, we we're at 0.98 of, of valuation, so it looked like fair value across the board. We're now at, now at about 0.92. So uh, commodity stocks are about 8% too cheap if you look at consensus data, uh, within that, some really compelling segments that we're close to in Australia here, particularly in fossil fuels. So the gas, um, coal and um, energy linked type commodities like lithium um, have had a meaningful pullback. So we're actually far more excited about buying these stocks on a period of uncertainty rather than buying when everyone else is. So um, that that issue around the, uh, the rethink of peak rates, peak inflation, you know, recessionary risks, getting through that type of um, 
hurdle is a is a matter of when, not if. So I think the story's just been delayed, not deferred or destroyed. Um, so we're actually quite constructive on commodities stocks now as compared with to uh, in January. <music>